thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Radio Le Mans weather. Really nice day at Circuit de la Sarthe currently. It is 28 degrees Celsius with next to no humidity. The wind is pretty light as well from the east. Expected to get as high as 30 degrees Celsius at 7 o'clock tonight. Overnight, though, some light rain expected and a low of 20 degrees. That's the weather on Haggerty Radio Le Mans with travel destinations. Book for Le Mans and Classic 2021 on the www.lemansrace.com. Live coverage of the world's greatest motor race, the Le Mans 24 Hours on RS1. This is Radio Le Mans with DriveShare. Connecting car owners and renters. DriveShare unlocks the joy of driving. Sign up at driveshare.com or download the app for iOS or Android. Live coverage of the world's greatest motor race, the Le Mans 24 Hours. This is Haggerty, Radio Le Mans. You're tuned to Haggerty Radio Le Mans. This is RS1, and we take a break from the 24-hour cars over the next hour or so because it is the turn of the annual event that is known as the Road to Le Mans. This forms two rounds of a championship that got going a little bit earlier on in the year, back in July at the Circuit Paul Ricard, when there was a two-hour race to kick off the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Uh, but annually, it appears on the bill at the 24 Hours of Le Mans and is then deemed the Road to Le Mans. Two 55-minute races. One takes place today with a 2.15 local start time. And then the second one is tomorrow in the very much the build-up to the 24 Hours of Le Mans for this year. 11.15 race start time for Saturday. And as I say, 55 minutes because there won't be any refueling, but there will be a driver change for each of these races. So pit stops to factor in and also additional time for those riding high in the championship. We'll run you through it. My name's Johnny Palmer, joined by Bruce Jones right here on RS1, Haggerty Radio Le Mans. Thank you for being with us. And we look forward to LMP3s pounding their way around this eight and a half mile circuit together with the GT3s as well. And uh, as with the World Endurance Championship, I suppose there is a little bit of a backstory regarding the championship, which we can set the scene for you too. But I mean, it's just great logistically, Bruce Jones, to have these cars here and taking part to form, I mean, pretty much a, a, a really good support uh, category. I mean, we've got the Porsches as well, I know. Uh, but although there's no crowd and this is a trim down Le Mans, at least we've got these cars here this year too. Well, let's not beat around the bush. 34 cars coming out to play, 23 in LMP3 and 11 in the GT3 category. And what I always find interesting in this event, you have the intermingling of the fastest of the GT cars and they go about their laps so entirely differently to the way the, the P3 cars do. But uh, this is something that uh, 
was an idea not so long ago, but five years in, we've got uh, teams that have made their way into the 24 hours off the back of progressing from here. Teams and drivers have uh, stepped up. Uh, for some drivers here, it's an opportunity to get, uh, well, three races, one 24 hours and two 55-minute uh, races uh, on the support programme as well. Track conditions perfect, and for a lot of drivers, this in itself is their ambition. They know they won't get to the 24 hours in years to come, but uh, actually, most of them in the back of their mind, they still want to. They're still aiming oh, yeah. at it. And I think the racing in this, you know, there are some really top names in it. Wayne Boyd took pole position. Nobody's full for United Autosports. And um, sharing with John Schaumann. And again, you get these combinations of drivers. You get the sort of the pros alongside the AMs. And, and uh, some of the AMs very soon become close to the pros. A lot of it is down to tuition. And also, it was interesting to catch up with Alex Capadia on our coverage last night to say that I mean, the last time he was actually in the 24 hours of Le Mans was five years ago. But he has been doing the road to Le Mans pretty much every single intervening year, certainly for the last three times. So it keeps the track fresh in your mind. Yes, not in a P1 or a P2, uh, but I think still just having that track knowledge and the ability to drive a prototype of some description, GT car as well is relevant if you want to get into GTE. The other thing that is crucial that we should remember is that the winner in GT3, championship-wise, you get an automatic entry into the 24 Hours of Le Mans next year. And that's what Kessel Racing have done one, two others as well along the way. Uh, TF Sport. That's how TF Sport first got into the 24 Hours of Le Mans. They did well in this. So, if anything, GT3 is more relevant and, and uh, more worth punching for that championship win. No, in, in, entirely. It's interesting to see, you know, when it was proposed, you know, how it was going to work and would the, would the team that made it through to get the automatic entry be able to stand up proud and uh, perform well when it got into 24 hours and so far no disappointment so it, it really has shown that uh, if you're close to the front end in GT3 class and also if you're close to the front end in LMP3 you're going to be good enough to do well in the 24 hours if ever you get into a position to do it but for a lot of drivers as I said 34 cars 68 drivers coming out to play it's this in itself is absolute pinnacle of the year but also if they muck it up today they've still got tomorrow as well so that's good for them too yeah qualifying has been done already for both races by the way that all took place uh, yesterday so you don't have to worry about qualifying again at the end of race one so therefore if your car is a little bit dog-eared following this 55 minute race uh, the grid is entirely separate and actually the two qualifying sessions took a very different uh, scopes as well, different complexion, because out for qualifying one, you had free choice as to which driver you used. I should go into the driver makeup, actually, for this category. Every single uh, driving combination, of which there are two for each car, has to include a bronze, and then your second choice is free. But you can't use platinums at all in this category. So driver, driver B could be a bronze, a silver, or a gold. Um, and for qualifying one, it didn't matter who you put out in qualifying. Now, that's unlike all the other qualifying sessions in the year in the Michelin Le Mans Cup, because it normally has to be the bronze. And that's why this championship's quite special, because it puts the extra responsibility, the extra onus on the bronze-rated driver. However, not for qualification one, which took place yesterday. And that's the reason why Wayne Boyd, as Bruce has mentioned, took pole position yesterday. Uh, John Showerman must have done the qualifying, though, for qualifying two, because it's just the bronze bronzes allowed out in that. And for race two, it'll actually be the 37 car uh, of Nicola Molini and uh, Edward Cohope, who are doing OK in the championship. They run for cool racing. 
starting fourth on today's grid, but bagged themselves pole position for the race that's slightly higher profile, if you like. It's got the full TV coverage, and it's got the, the fact that the 24-hour race is just the other side of the lunch break. So arguably more people will be watching that one. Uh, with DKR Engineering taking second place for the second race of Jean Gloria and Laurence Heur. Jean himself, a former champion in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. And this is difficult for, for the team's perspective in how they operate in the pit lane because it's required a quad bike and a tyre trolley to be driven out into the main pit lane and you set up satellite style in front of the Le Mans pits. You can't, you, you can't have, have any access to the pit garage itself. In fact, there are barriers out to, to make sure uh, that you don't uh, outstay your welcome and uh, encroach into the pit garage itself. But there is a large operating area there. If everybody decides to pit on the same lap, though, these races typically get, get incredibly busy. Oh, well, they really do. And also, it's one thing when you're driving down the pit lane, you know full well, hold on, what should we? Garage 42, that's up towards the end. You know where it is, but it's not quite the same precise element when you're aiming for our little setup somewhere down towards pit exit. You know, it is a little bit hard. And you do see over the years, teams suddenly, drivers suddenly go, oh, oh, oh. Is that our team? What, what, color, what team am I with this year? What colour are the team pit crew shirts? But it, it is a little bit tricky, but it's a long pit lane. As we know, last year we had 62 garages worth with the extra garages for United Autosports for the 24 hours. So they can put their cars in front. We've got roughly half that number coming out to play. 34 cars coming out to play. But yes, they'd love to have their own pit garage, but no can do over this weekend. But the fact they're racing on the Circuit de la Sarthe is what really, really, truly counts. And... Um, Again, shame, massive shame we don't have uh, spectators around the circuit in the grandstands, but uh, let's look at the bigger picture. This race is happening. These races are happening. So for that, we must celebrate. But uh, still one of my favourite sounds in motor racing is the P3 grid as they rumble clear. That Nissan engine still makes one of the very best engine notes out there. The cars are already on their rolling lap, by the way. They're heading up through Dunlop Curve now and towards the chicane at the top of the hill underneath the... Uh, underneath the Dunlop Bridge itself. And, and Alcamel have just issued, online at least, the uh, starting drivers with the grid itself. So let me give you that, because we'd mentioned Wayne Boyd had taken pole position with a 347.025. Well, he's uh, racing for United Order Sports, not a regular in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Fans of the ELMS will know that he's riding high, incredibly high actually, in United Autosports uh, for the LMP3 title uh, and doing very nicely indeed with, I think, every single pole position to his name so far, and they lead the championship as well. Jean Gloria will start the number three car, so there is indication that there's nothing in the regulations about which driver you must start with because Wayne Boyd is not a bronze, Jean Gloria is. So that's a, down to which of the drivers you wish to start with, bearing in mind at about half distance, they all have to come down pit road, switch drivers, though not refuel, and send the cars back out again for the second stint. So Jean Gloria starts the number three DKR engineering machine from the outside of the front row. Next up, we've got David Drew for Real Team Racing, the number four car, alongside Niccolò Molini for Cool Racing, 37. That's the car we'll see on pole position tomorrow. The third row will be the seven Nielsen Racing machine of Tony Wells, alongside Hugo de Vilda, just 17 years old. DKR Engineering number one, that is. So that's the extra car we don't normally see as part of the Michelin Le Mans Cup. And on the fourth row, Maurice Smith for Cool Racing. Again, that uh, car's done pretty well 
in the Michelin Le Mans, in the, yeah, Michelin Le Mans Cup recently, flirted with, in fact, did it win actually it, last it, time out? It did with yes. Matt Bell and Maurice Smith there together again. That was the second of the rounds we had at Paul Ricard, round yes. number three of the championship. And, and I remember they came pretty close to taking the, f the first win uh, before suffering a late puncture, I'm pretty sure, in the Le Mans Cup race on the Saturday at Paul Ricard in July. Anyway, 69 could be strong from seventh position alongside Daniel Schneider's 24 United Autosports car. Fifth place, Gilles Magnus for Mulner Motorsport. More used to seeing those guys in GT3, but that's a, an LMP3 car, the 21 ninth place, alongside James Dason, the Canadian, for RLR M Sport number 15. James Winslow, again, not regular for Team Virage. Virage have changed their driving lineup completely since Le Castellet's 120 race, which was the Michelin Le Mans Cup event held uh, sort of early afternoon in France last month. So car 12 keeps its number but has changed its drivers. And James Winslow, the Australian-born Brit, uh, starts from 11th place alongside Rinaldi Racing, number 66, Dominic Schwager, staring that car with Steve Parrow. Seventh row is the 22 United Autosports car of Jim Maguire, who couldn't race in France last time out, but has managed to get to France for this weekend. Delighted to see that alongside the 27 MV2S racing car, which is Christoph Cresp to start that. The eighth row, cars 10 and 6, is Nielsen racing with Rob Hodes alongside Jacques Wolf for CD Sport in the number six car. Then we've got another new entry for... This season anyway, but we have seen the, the FFF racing team by ACM car in the past. Hiroshi Hamaguchi uh, starting the 63 car from 17th on the grid alongside Racing Experience, the Luxembourgish team joining DKR Engineering to uh, make Luxembourg quite a popular country, actually, as far as the Michelin Le Mans Cup is concerned. Nicolas Mella back with Racing Experience. And I notice it's Gary Hauser's turn of the two Hauser brothers to be racing this weekend. So David was out at Le Castellet last time, brother Gary in for Le Mans. 10th row, 74, is the Kessel Racing Ferrari of Michel Broniszewski, alongside the number eight Iron Lynx car of Reno Mastronardi, currently championship leaders. The 11th row, 77, also an Iron Lynx car, Andrea Pacini, alongside Sean Lynn's United Autosport car number 25. The 12th row, 50, of Kessel Racing is John Hartshorn in his Ferrari, alongside the LMP3 car for Graf, uh, number 26, Rory Pentanen, Finnish driver. 13th row is the number nine Ferrari of Iron Lynx, Murad Sultanov, to start that car alongside the Sky-sponsored Tempesta racing machine, number 93, Jonathan Huey. The 14th row is 67, Kessel Racing, and Nicky Kadai alongside Nick Adcock, Kessel Racing and CD Sport, 67 and 5. On the 15th row, it's the Edex Sport entered Stefan Adler, He's driving that with Daddy Lafargue, Patrice. So Patrice will be in for the second stint, starting from 29th on the grid alongside the 28th Delahaye racing team of Pierre-Etienne Bourdais. The 16th row, Euro International, Nico Kari with no time. And that car struggled in qualifying. And, and what's that the case when the qualifying came to an end? I thought no, 14 was up fastest. there. Yeah. So that's a, uh, some news, that the 14 car's been put to the back of the field. I'll dig out the bulletin that, that explains that in a moment. 55, Rinaldi Racing, Nicolas Schatz, also with no time, starting from 32nd. And finally, the uh, last time out, the winning GT3 car was the PZ Obera Zurichse by TFT car. Julien Anlauer qualified it, but again, he had all his times taken away as well. 
So he'll have to start from 33rd position. And Julian Andlau has been put in the car for the start. That will be very entertaining to see how the number two Porsche goes from the back of the pack. All being well, 33 cars then on the grid. It's billed for a 1.15 start. So the cars are just now heading towards Ford Chicane, about to thread their way through there for a rolling start. Could be very busy up towards the Dunlop S's, Bruce Jones. One does feel that could be the case, Johnny. So let's see, but I, I'm really looking forward to uh, Nick Okari's car, the Euro International, Lizier coming up from the back, and Julian Andler, well, it's just... Uh, wetting his interest for the main race not the main race for this tomorrow but the main race overall the Le Mans 24 hours but uh, again always good having these little cameo roles annoying if it's your car that's been uh, fired off from a good grid position down to the back of the pack but uh, year in year out that is a, a feature for the fans to enjoy as you can see a car and just each lap they come past you can plot their progress but right now it's Andlau who's got an awful lot of work to do and that Euro International this year gives a breathing space to Wayne Boyd sharing with John Sham and they've had a good season so far in fact uh, Wayne has been in in the first three rounds with John Sham and the American dri driver sharing with the Ulsterman 16th 14th with fastest lap Wayne Boyd at Spa-Francorchamps then 10th last time out. Let's see if they can nail a good one, but certainly the best place to start is pole position. Uh, more details about why the 14 car had its laps deleted. Um, actually from qualifying one and two, it says on the bulletin. Following technical control of the car, specific point of control is not in conformity with the LMP3 Ligier homologation document. Uh, the fire extinguisher was found to be empty. So it, instead of it being 2.1 kilos, it weighed 0.6 of kilo because there was absolutely nothing in the fire extinguisher. And the arrow indicator in, the, in red on manometer also uh, incorrect. So basically, all the times have been cancelled from Q1 and Q2. For that's, that's for car 14. Car 2 is different, actually. This is the Porsche and the stewards uh, have decided that, according to the supp supplementary regulations, which I did manage to get my hands on, driver Julian Anlauer didn't take part in qualifying one, allowed to take part in race one. Ah, so I beg your pardon, Anlauer didn't actually post any times and is allowed to start, therefore, from the pit lane after all the competitors have covered one lap. So that's the old rule of release from the pit lane. But after one lap has been completed, I'm afraid to say. And car 55... Nicolas Schatz also didn't take part in qualifying one and therefore it's another pit lane start for that car as well. I know there was a drama early on for a car as the race is now underway and confirmation of that as actually no I think this is the rolling lap again because the cars that are due to start from the pit lane have only just come into pit road. Let's just confirm that actually yeah, on the stopping time at screen. pit exits they're no, waiting an entire lap I'll just, just but we have got a green flag yeah. so what they did was they tacked onto the back for the rolling lap and then as the cars came through to take the green those three cars that needed to came down pit lane and now they've got to wait for not only an eight and a half mile lap but also for all the cars to go through into turns one two and three and then they will finally be released. This is mightily frustrating for cars that we would expected to have been very quick for this opening uh, round of road, of road to Le Mans for 2020. And all the drivers in this 55-minute race will just have to bear in mind there's another one tomorrow. Keep it clean, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen out there on the circuit. But for the, the three cars at pit exit, they're going to sit there and this lap is going to feel super, super long as they wait uh, for the, the field to come around. But perfect conditions for racing. Cooler than it would have been in June, but... 
I don't know, an autumnal day at uh, Le Mans, not something I've ever experienced, but certainly I think for a lot of the crews, that being that little bit cooler, just very, very welcome indeed for them. So uh, let's hope they get a cracking race here today. First of two, 55 minutes of fun. Everybody is safely through the first sector, I'm delighted to say. And that ends at Tete Rouge, remember, with Wayne Boyd keeping the lead, it would seem, from Jean Glorieux, David Drew and Nicola Molini, who started from the second row with Tony Wells for Nielsen, also in the big show this weekend. A real shame that Colin Noble couldn't be as well. Colin was on early entry lists for the 24 hours and a combination of factors have meant that sadly he can't be in the race. I don't think, I think the fact that there's no crowd hasn't really helped because a lot of his sponsors uh, are, are, are banking on a little bit of what we call activation so that they can um, find products that are, you know, uh, are wanted by the crowd and of interest to the fans. And when you've got no fans on site, it's very tricky then for them to continue to uh, give you the money required to be on site. So at least Colin will get a couple of races. And the crucial thing is he's here to chat to people as well for future opportunities. Hugo de Vilde started in sixth place for DKR Engineering. So the Luxembourgish squad have actually got a couple of cars running in the top six. I'm sure the setup from car number three has been loaned to car one, uh, as we don't tend to see that regularly in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. And I think just looking at the teams up and down the order is the fact that Cool Racing is a team that's really starting to spread its wings. Two entries in this event, not rare in having that, but uh, both of those entries have won, uh, 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 taken a win apiece in the opening three races in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Mm -hmm. So the, the pair that struck first was uh, Molini and young French racer, the teenager Edward Cahapi. They took a second last time out on the return to Paul Ricard. And the sister car we mentioned earlier, Morris Smith and Matt Bell, winners of race number three. Here, of course, two races this weekend and guest entries uh, competing for the road to Le Mans. Uh, glory here, so extra faces in different places. And uh, let's see how they mix in, but certainly for Wayne Boyd. Coaxing it around this lap and uh, waiting for the fireworks to begin. But certainly the ultimate at the front of the queue. Well, they're back to finish the first lap. There has been an incident on the opening lap, though, because the yellow flags are being displayed. Uh, unfortunately, we don't get a great deal of information as to where that is on the circuit, but I do know it wasn't through the first sector, and the uh, leader's back over the line. 2.8 seconds is the lead for Wayne Boyd over Nicola Molini, who's had a good start from fourth on the grid to now be second in car 37. Not altogether surprised by that, because Molini is a talent. David Drew... 0.3 of a second adrift, uh, but there's a, a nice little cue actually. Hugo de Vilde has not spent, not taken too long at all to get stuck in. He's gained a place at just 17 years old, straight out of single seaters. And what it means is that developing behind Molini is this queue involving David Drew for Real Team, Jean Gloria for DKR, Hugo de Vilde for the aforementioned DKR as well, uh, Mulner Motorsport right up there for Gilles Magnus too. And in GT3, Hiroshi Hamaguchi uh, doing okay to this point. His opening lap was very decent at just over four minutes. It was from a rolling start, of course, so have to wait for the next time, the next lap's completed to find out who's exactly competitive. But Reno Mastronardi has moved his way up to second place in the GT3 category. He had started third after the car was qualified by Giacomo Puccini. However, the number eight car 
will have to soak up more time than its rivals in the pit stop because it leads the championship and the further up you are in the top five of the championship, the more time you have to soak up in a pit stop, which is done to a minimum pit stop reference time. But there's also, for 2020, this additional thing called a pit stop handicap. And depending on your points gap over the team in sixth place in the championship, the more time you have to soak up. So it's a natural leveller. Rather than it being done with success ballast, as is the case in GTE, in ELMS, they do it with time. And that's something that we have seen in other GT championships through the years, including British GT, actually, a sort of similar system, although slightly less complex, utilised in that. Complex is very much the word. I'm a big fan. If you, if you do want to peg teams back, just say, right, 15 extra seconds if you're first in the previous race, 10 seconds if you... It, it's really, really complicated. And it does mean that every team has got to be absolutely on top of the game to be aware of how much time the the championship leading car is going to squander in the pit stops. If they know it's a fixed amount of time, it's fine. But if they've got to get this metaphorical slide rule out, and yep. try, is it 13.2 or 13.6 you know, seconds? It's really, really tricky. OK, for a lot of the drivers competing here, it's all about just getting the best result of the year they possibly can at Le Mans. But it is a factor when you race against someone. Have you a chance of uh, overhauling them? Or do you have to really, really bust a gut to uh, just make sure you stay ahead? Very, very complicated. No complications at all for Wayne Boyd, though, leading the race by 2.8 seconds as he goes around the second flying lap, but still those yellow flags out around the circuit. So that will be uh, keeping the order much more similar than it might have been, because this race famously has an awful lot of sorting out as they go around the early laps of an event. Yeah, and I do know in the past we've had uh, cars getting tangled up into the one of the two chicanes actually on Mulsan. So I wonder whether something's happened down at the second chicane. As I say, the first sector was completely clear. So I think it's fine from the start line up through to Tete Rouge, but uh, an incident which still requires yellow flags currently out on the circuit. So lap times won't be at their best as a result of that. Just going back to the additional seconds then for the championship leader, although the points have obviously changed since Lucas Delay, it's actually the same amount of deficit just purely because how the points have moved along. So still 21 seconds, additionally, for the number eight car, together with the pit stop uh, re reference time from point to point. That's uh, pit in to pit out, and very much depends on where you are positioned in the pit lane and how long it takes you from a standing start to get to pit out, because it's not a question of timing how long you are stationary for. You have to think, in effect, four-dimensionally, what point is the clock going to be at when we are exiting pit road and don't release the car too early because everybody has to maintain the 60 kilometres per hour speed limit and you can't really, especially if you've got cars behind you, tell your driver to, we're, we're, too, we're too early, back off, back off, because that's going to risk a nose-to-nose a -nose bit of contact and a motorway-type accident in the pit lane. So this is where the team managers and the calculations really give a good result um, I think the yellow flag involves the 75 edX sport car sadly Stefan Adler to start Patrice Lafargue was due to take that over because it hasn't completed its first lap and it's now actually two laps down as Wayne Boyd swept across the line a moment or two ago so Wayne Boyd continues to lead by now four and a half seconds over Niccolo Molini. So no change for second. David Drew still in that queue and right behind Molini for real team racing. Jean Gloria running fourth in the best of the two DKR engineering cars. But Hugo de Vilder is keeping him honest. De Vilder, I think he's a silver, isn't he? Yes, versus Jean Gloria, who's the bronze. So you would expect de Vilder 
Certainly with a chance to get by the Belgian. More and more cars streaming up the hill towards the Dunlop curve. And GT3 still in the hands of Hiroshi Hamaguchi with actually four LMP3s now providing a cushion zone between the GT3 leader and everybody else. But that's a tidy little battle involving Andrea Pacini, who is back to the championship. We missed him last time at Lucastele, together with brother Giacomo, uh, Nicky Kadai, Michael Bronizewski and Rino Mastronardi all battling for GT3 second place. And, and battling very much uh, in the full sense because uh, the previous time around it was Mastronardi in second in class, now he's fifth. So the big shuffle, his teammate at Arnlinks, Andrea Piccini going ahead of Reno, ahead of Nikki Kadai, Bronicheski. Another name that's worth picking out, we have the top six runners. We've got uh, runaway leader Wayne Boyd, 4.4 seconds to go. Then Nicola Molini, just uh, two tenths of a second ahead of David Drew. Jean Gloria, about a second further back, but then he's got Hugo de Wilder and Gilles Manus behind him. But Dominic Schwager from outside the top ten has got up for Rinaldi Racing into seventh place. He's going well, but he's six and a bit seconds down, so I can just see the front of the field starting to pull ever further clear. And uh, having to keep, obviously, an eye on the pace of those who coulda, shoulda, woulda, like Nico Kari, starting from the tail of the field, a lap down. He's not going to feature in the, in the uh, anywhere in this event, but he's just banged in the fastest first sector time of anyone, the fastest second sector. So he, he's sort of suitably fired up, but it's all about just uh, seeing what you can possibly recover, almost treating it like a, te like a test session. In 55 minutes, he certainly is not. However fast he goes, going to take a lap off the race leader. No. And despite those uh, places being lost by Reno Mastronardi, he was still pretty quick through the first sector, I noticed, with a 37.3. There was further drama on that second lap, this time for Nick Adcock, though, in the CD Sport Ligier. That car's not reached the end of the second lap and was battling, yes, in the lower order in LMP3, but did have the chasing Nicky, Nico Kari for company and Nicolas Schatz, the former French hill climb multi-champion, I think. Chats back in the championship with his Duquesne M30. If uh, maybe you only witnessed this this particular championship and the Road to Le Mans annually, you might wonder what the Duquesne M30 is all about. Well, they were the normers of last year, and uh, in the year or so that we've had in between, Duquesne obtaining that company, Norma, and basically renaming the car. So they're now the, the Duquesne M30 D08. Uh, still with the Nissan engine, although it is a new Nissan engine for 2020 and rather a troublesome uh, engine regarding its fuel consumption. Uh, it is, yes, Nissan designed, but Orica built and prepared. They kind of make it into a proper race engine. And the extra capacity makes it an incredibly thirsty unit indeed, so much so that it was detected at uh, Paul Ricard, the opening round of the LMS, that it might not be able to do the distance, even with its prerequisite of three stops. So they had to introduce to the ACO an extra stop for ELMS and also an extra stop in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. That's going to remain the case for the rest of the year as the, the boffins at Orica continue to scratch their heads to eke out a little bit more performance. So Nissan engine sounds glorious still. Uh, and we're not going to have the problem with its fuel consumption today or tomorrow because this car, this race was never a fuel race anyway. They just basically fill it up from the start and uh, let the fuel, fuel drain away throughout the 55 minutes. A change for fourth position as they head across the line and that move that I was expecting from Igor de Vilda happened on lap three. He's now up to fourth position. What happened to Jean Gloria? Because he slipped to seventh place. Gloria was ahead of his teammate at the end of lap two. Yeah, well, Gilles Manus has also fallen down. I think they might have had a little scrap. They were a couple of positions apart, but only about a second and a half apart at the end of the previous lap. So that suddenly promoted James Winslow 
who just banged in the fastest lap of the race. He's moved up for Team Virage into fifth place overall. And Morris Smith for Cool Racing, already a win, win, winner this year, up into sixth. Keep an eye on the pace of Gloria and Manus. Yeah, they were about three seconds. Oh, God, Manus in particular lost a lot of time on that lap. In fact, they lost about eight or nine seconds against their rivals. That's why they shed two positions. So where would that have happened? One has to feel properly going to the one on chicane. I think they probably got a little bit close, and uh, by the time they got it sorted out, they had been passed. Yeah, you get an incredibly good run on uh, a fellow car down the long straight of the Molsan. Molsan straight, uh, for many, many years now, has been separated into three separate bits uh, and interrupted by a the first chicane that goes right, left, right, the second chicane going left, right, left, and then there's a very slight right-hand kink that then leads you towards Molsan corner. But it's a really fast part of the circuit and provides great opportunity for an overtake if you get the slipstream. Well, here's a little one for you. Fastest lap of the race. I thought James Winslow had set it. In fact, that's better than his lap of 3 minutes 58.5 seconds when he moved up to fifth place was quickest. Until Nick Okari, a lap <laughs> down, went a mere eight seconds faster. 3 minutes 50.271 seconds. He's still down in 29th position out of the 31 runners. A lap plus waiting for the entirety of the field to go through behind. All he could do is just polish his ego increase his pace and that is one enormous advantage he's had so far not running in traffic though well he's probably um, clear for another lap or two until he catches the slowest of the field whereas of course uh, James Winslow very much in the traffic as he worked his way from seventh on one lap to fifth by the next yeah Nico Kari uh, has been in the ELMS since the start of the year from Finland he is 20 years old and a former uh, Formula 4 champion that was five years ago now, but uh, has raced in the FIA Formula 3 Championship and now three races into the European Le Mans Series. But uh, a little bit of a setback from his, from his point of view was that he entered the championship as a silver-graded driver with the FIA and then was moved up to gold. He was so fast at Paul Ricard and that meant that he could no longer run with just a lone teammate in the ELMS and had to find... Somebody additionally, was Andreas Lascaratus brought in at Spa uh, to make it a three-driver line uh, there initially? Yeah, he was. I, I'm just uh, hurriedly going through. Suddenly an awful lot of people have driven alongside him. In fact, he probably has yes. to be introduced at each of the rounds uh, to his teammates to just work out who they are. But yeah, when you've got best laid plans and suddenly they're sort of knocked over a bit like a skittle, it does make things very complicated indeed. But Kari absolutely flying around the circuit at the moment but uh, it's way too much for him to make up but he's putting on a really really good show for Euro International yeah and sadly from the timing screen we can't work out how many cars he's overtaken so far because he is that full lap off everybody else but I'm sure he's getting well stuck in now uh, to the the tail enders of the LMP3s and by that I mean the lower reaches of the top 15 shouldn't take much at all when he's doing 350s and the race leader uh, last time out did a 3.49, so that's more representative of the pace that Wayne Boyd can produce now that the yellow flags have been withdrawn. The other thing that would have gone in Nico Kari's favour is probably by the time he reached the yellow flag zone, they were already in, whereas everybody else at the sharp end um, had been through that yellow flag area on lap three, so needed to back off. So now we're getting 350s and even the 349 from Wayne Boyd, and that's a fastest lap by the Ulsterman. David Drew back in touch, actually. The gap had extended to four and a half seconds. It's down to 2.7. Five and a half seconds is the gap back to then Nicola Molini for cool racing in the 37 car. Ugo de Vilda still 
doing no harm at all as far as his reputation is concerned because he's right with Molini now. Three tenths of a second, the deficit for DKR Engineering's young wild card, we could say, with a name like that. And the Duquesne M30 is easily the best M30 placed um, when the rest of the top six are all Ligier. Fleetingly, we had a yellow flag. That's been taken in very, very quickly indeed. Last time around, I was noticing the progress of Morris Smith and James Winslow to sixth and fifth consecutively, but uh, respectively. But it must be said that Winslow is now not able to live with the pace of Ugo de Wilder. That yellow flag has been hauled in. So the gaps, first to second between Wayne Boyd and David Drew, 2.7 seconds, then double that, and you get the gap between Drew and Nicola Molini. Uh, third in the race, third of the top three Ligiers. Then the best of the Duquesnes, as Johnny pointed out, Ugo de Wilder. He's another. Well, he's only three tenths of a second back, so maybe he's going to have a real run at Morlini on this lap. Then four and a bit seconds back to uh, James Winslow, who's got a similar margin back to sixth place. So it's starting to string out. Looking down to the GT3 battle, 16th place overall, Hiroshi Hamaguchi, but he's still got a buffer of... Now it's only two of the P3 cars between him and the chasing pack. And Rino Mastronardi has uh, resumed second place in that class. He fell down to fifth while his teammate at Iron Links, Andrea Piccini, went up into second in class. But he's reversed all that. But he's back into second. And his pace is looking very strong relative. To, it's a second quicker last time around than Hiroshi Hamaguchi. How far back is he? He's about three seconds, four seconds further back. So he has the scope. Still time of plenty in this race to catch up. 36 minutes remaining out of the 55. Yeah, and the pit stop will need to happen at uh, roughly half distance. So beyond 20-odd minutes into this, well, we're virtually there now, actually, they may start to think about pitting, but it's really dependent on who you've put in for this opening stint. I don't think United Autosports are going to be in any rush to change their driver because, generally speaking, Wayne Boyd is quicker than his teammate John Showerman. And... Then you've got Real Team Racing. David Drew put in for the opening stint. That's car four. We're used to seeing Real Team Racing in the ELMS. In fact, they were race winners last time out. Drew is the silver. Esteban Garcia is the bronze. So, again, a team that won't be hurrying to switch their drivers. Uh, I wonder whether... Is Reno Mastronardi I mean, heading into pit lane? No, not according to the timing screen, but that looked like a Ferrari very similar in colour, like an Iron Lynx machine. That uh, well, it's parking right ah, up by it, the road. It was Sultanov, that's why. It was ah. Murad Sultanov in the number nine car. So, not quite the paint scheme that is carried on the eight, because Mastronardi is back up to second in GT3 and stays out for at least one more lap. And Andrea Pacini uh, in the 77 Iron Lynx car running in third position. So, the rest of them staying out. Wayne Boyd is on to and probably soon to be completing his fifth lap of the race. Yeah, he's keeping out that pace at the front. He is the owner of the fastest lap of the race. Just set it last time around. Three minutes, 49.1 seconds. 3.3 seconds. So he's eaten a little bit of the advantage back again from David Drew. David, in turn, is nearly six and a half seconds clear of Hugo de Wilder, who's now got himself in his Duquesne past Nicola Molini. Had that change. James Winslow still staying about four seconds behind, him, behind them. And looking for recovery drives. Don't forget Jean Glorier and Gilles Magnus had a little tumble earlier. and They uh, fell down the order from, I think they were fifth and sixth, or fourth and fifth. They're now, unfortunately for them, a little bit further back, seventh and eighth, lapping competitively, but uh, it's solid gold at the front for Wayne Boyd. He's uh, set the fastest lap of the race. It was taken away from him from Nico Carey, who's a lap down but flying. 
and he's got it back all over again. So just stretching his advantage for United or Sports. Car number 23, the Ligier leading the way. 3.3 seconds, the good of a David Drew for Real Team Racing, a team that's having a great season. And one of the smiles of the year was from Esteban Garcia when he uh, took victory in class at Paul Ricard in the second of the... Uh, European Le Mans series races and he said was it was it his best win he said it's my first win I seem to recall on the podium full of emotion and why not yeah yeah a big uh, feather in his cap but as he said not really one of those race before that uh, even in the lower uh, echelons of motorsport so delighted and he's back again at Le Mans maybe ahead of Real Team Racing entering the big race in years to come, perhaps. We've not got them there yet, but they are riding high in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Don't often see this car, the number four, as part of uh, Le Mans Cup, but they, they are regulars in the ELMS and uh, certainly put themselves on course for a, a good run in the championship with just two races to go in the ELMS now at Monza next month and at Portimao the end of the season, which will actually take place on the 1st of November. More pit callers. Actually, Murad Sultanov still uh, not yet rejoining the race. Now, I think that's one of the cars, the number nine, that was due to take extra time. No, I'm mistaken. Murad Sultanov and Paolo Roberti, neither of those drivers currently in the top five of the championship, so they don't need to take any extra time. Uh, but it does... It's so frustrating, isn't it? Because they're actually going to lose a, a whole lap, I think, on the GT3s. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely looking that way. There is work going on on Sultanov's car. It's right up by the Iron Links garage, which is in the uh, sort of, not the temporary, the extra garage is up towards pit exit. But uh, car still at a standstill, going absolutely nowhere. So big frustrations. Hopefully it's something that can be fixed. We'll get them out for the remainder of this 55-minute race. And hopefully they have a clean run tomorrow. But uh, for Sultanov, very, very disappointing indeed to be being denied track time at Le Mans. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, when I first cast my eyes on that stop, thought it may be as part of the the mandatory one you have to do but it's taking too long now so I think that is a, a problem with the Iron Links Ferrari number nine Wayne Boyd stabilizing the gap at the head of the order sometimes I mean this is what we find at, at a lap as long as Le Mans it can be four seconds one lap then it can have changed I didn't quite expect it to be as short as 2.7 as it was between David Drew and Wayne last time around but it's extended to 3.3 once more David Drew managing to set a, an even quicker first sector time actually that wasn't last time around but he wasn't far off it 35.693 is very close indeed to his earlier effort through that first sector that runs all the way through towards Tete Rouge the second sector is pretty much Molsan straight just beyond Molsan corner that second sector comes to an end and then the third sector is very technical very complex indeed, taking you through Indianapolis, Arnage and the Porsche Curve. And the gap has come down, Real Team Racing, David Drew now 2.8 seconds down on the race leader, Wayne Boyd. Wayne should have this under control, but the interval is coming down. It was uh, got out to four and a bit seconds, went down to three and a bit. It's now down to 2.8 seconds. Fastest lap of the race set by David Drew. Uh, Hugo de Wilder doing a great job. He's the only one able to live with their pace. Marginally slower, but he's seven seconds down, but he's worked his way forward for DKR Engineering. Lead Duquesne driver in the race in third overall. But James Winslow now up to fourth. Nicola Molini is into the pits in fifth place. We've got the first of the P3 cars coming in to make the pit stops. And in fact, another half dozen behind them. Maurice Smith, Jean Glorieux, Tony Wells, Daniel Schneider, Nicolas Melin, all calling in the pits right now. 
Yeah, so a steady stream, making sure that they hit the window as best they can. And those that haven't pitted on this lap will get the chance next time around. If they don't decide to come in, in the pits at the end of lap seven, that might be marginal then in terms of the drive time required for, well, your bronze driver in the respect of United Auto Sports and Real Team Racing, the non-bronze in the case of others, including Cool Racing and Nicola Molini. So that's the 37 car. Molini started it. He'll be handing over to Edward Cohope, who is the silver-rated driver at Cool Racing. But the bulk of the field actually coming in on that lap. Now, uh, the GT3 race leader was Hiroshi Hamaguchi. He pitted. However, Andrea Puccini did not. And that means that Iron Lynx, the 77 Ferrari, have gone into the lead with the 488 GT3. Hamaguchi for FFF Racing Team by ACM choosing to make their stop in the 63 and relinquishing the race lead as a result, but handing over to Andrea Calderelli, who is a real talent in GT3 racing around the world. So let's see how he gets on. But I think Hamaguchi has set the foundations there brilliantly well. Yeah, Hamaguchi, obviously, integral part of FFF Racing Team by ACM, as they used to be called. Quite enough letters on the page, I feel. But uh, Calderelli is sort of absolutely on top of his game with, with any time you put a Lamborghini Huracan GT3 out on the track. Great success in the GT World Challenge over, over the years. But uh, really, his biggest success in many ways is establishing this, this team. Don't forget, for many years, the lead team running uh, in, in GT3 with the Lamborghini was always the GRT, the Grasso Racing Team. Yep. And that's definitely been handed over, that mantle to FFF Racing Team. And Cordarelli doesn't just drive for them, he manages the team, masterminds the team. So busy individual. But uh, really, really good stint there from Hamaguchi because he, he just had that important buffer. He had two or three P3 cars between himself and everything else that was behind. Four cars, two of those Iron Lynx Ferraris really fighting. Nicky Kadai in the mix as well and Michel Bronachewski, really top GT3 runners. So for him to leave them in his wake was very impressive indeed. Yeah, GT3 does give us the opportunity to enjoy a slightly wider variety of GT cars than we get in uh, the ACO rules uh, in the GTE part of uh, ELMS and the World Endurance Championship currently because it is really all about Ferrari, Porsche and Aston Martin in those divisions and we don't often get an Aston Martin actually in ELMS but at least we can get the Porsche GT3 car uh, into GT3 to join the Ferraris regularly and great to have that Lamborghini Huracan as well. We've had Astons in the past, we've had an Aston Martin champion in fact in the form of TF Sport when Sally, Sally Yolich and Ewan Hankey took that title and then that gave them the position to uh, be brought into the world, into the 24 hours of Le Mans first of all and then the World Endurance Championship after that and Kessel Racing have done much the same. Morad Sultanov, I don't think, is going back into this race. He no. continues to be listed 31st. The car is at a standstill, so that's the number nine Ferrari out of the race for now. So, big disappointment uh, for his teammate. Won't get to have a go, and that's uh, Paolo Roberti. The race leader is in. Wayne Boyd for United Autosports comes to a halt. We don't have to worry about pit stop handicap time when it comes to the LMP3s. That's only the case in GT3, but I'll remind you that in the GT3 battle, uh, Reno Mastronardi did pit, didn't he? I said that, pretty sure. Let's just check. 
moment, uh, the eight car, you, yes. Yes, you did. So Giacomo Puccini has taken that car over, but crucially, that car had to pit for 21 more seconds compared to its rivals. Uh, other cars with big penalties include the 67 car of, of um, that's the Bronizhevsky car. Bronizhevsky Perel. Yes. Oh, no, the 67. Is the Salt... Uh, is the Nikki Kedai who yes. showed this weekend with Murat Kuhadaroglu, the Turkish driver now who I was believe, this weekend. Even though they've changed the driver lineup there, I believe the car carries the extra seconds. So 67 has 10 extra seconds, even though those two drivers are new to the championship. Uh, the 74, which is the Bronizhevsky car with David Perel, has six extra seconds. And the 50 Kessel Racing entry of John Hartson and Ollie Hancock, three extra seconds. The Porsche that won last time out, Nicky Leutwiler and Julian Anlauer, though it's fifth in the championship, has exactly the same amount of points as the team in sixth. So they don't have to take any extra seconds. And that could really, well, I was going to say, could really put it into the box seat. It won't because Julian Anlauer had to start the race a full lap down. But that could be a different story tomorrow. It'll be the same amount of penalties, roughly speaking. Obviously, they'll redo the championship points overnight. And there are half championship points on offer. You can't easily split 25 points into half, but I think it's 13, if not 12, that uh, you get for a race. Actually, might, they might round it up. You'd I think 15 you're points. It. Yeah, 15 mm. points for a race win. Anyway, uh, we will dig around with that overnight and hopefully I have full updated points for you for the latest round of the Michelin Le Mans Cup. You can call this round 4 or 4A if you wish, if you want to call tomorrow 4B. Um, John Sharman's taken over the 23 Ligier with Esteban Garcia now installed at Real Team Racing. Wolfgang Triller for DKR Engineering takes the number one car over and Tom Cloet for Team Virage is now installed in the number 12. But we'll have to wait for them to complete lap eight to get the true order and also the gaps between the cars. OK, what we have to remember is the car that Esteban Garcia has taken over, the number two real team car. Uh, of course, different driver. This is all of these drivers. What's their respective pace? The gap came down to what was it, 2.2 seconds between uh, Wayne Boyd's car when he brought it in to hand over to John Sharman and the real team entry car number four that was uh, driven so with such style by David Drew in the first part of the race, but uh, Wolfgang Triller as well. So, tenths of a second here or there in terms of different pace and the, the race may get a new complexion. Now, can any one of the second drivers beat the fastest lap so far? That was set uh, three minutes, 48.571 seconds uh, by Garcia's teammate, David Drew, the Swiss racer. Fastest of all so far. Let's see if anyone could do better than that in the second stint. But actually, it's not just lap time. It's about uh, overall time, elapsed time. And at the moment, it's still listed as uh, number 23, John Sharman, in the lead of this race. But we have to wait for it to get to the first of the timing sector to see if that changes after this flurry of pit stops. Uh, it is 15 points for a win. Sorry to be second-guessing myself a moment or two ago. And you get nine points for second. Six points for third. Uh, seven points for third. But it, uh, yeah, the points get very few and far between the further down the top six you are effectively so i don't think it's a disaster if you have a a difficult one of these races you you could still be championship winning and that's what uh, the oz obera uh lucis say uh, zurich say by tft porsche's guys have to be thinking 
And one or two others as well, actually. Nico Kari wanted to perform well, although he's not a championship regular. He will get some points, but his focus firmly is the ELMS for 2020. Just over 20 minutes to go. And this is where a lot of the bronze drivers have been installed. And the pressure is on because many of these drivers won't have competed, certainly in a race just yet, uh, around the 24 hours circuit. One car that seems to be stuck in the pits is uh, Rory Pentonen's Graf Ligier from the P3 class. It's uh, work is going on. It's not a standard pit stop. Murad Sultan Oscar is still, the Arnix Ferrari is still sitting forlornly in front of its garage uh, up at pit exit. So two that are not struck from the race, but with every second uh, falling further down the order. Gap first to second, 2.3 seconds. John Sharman ahead of Esteban Garcia. So they're staying very, very even in terms of paces. Having taken over from Wayne Boyd and David Drew, eight and a bit seconds back to Wolfgang Trilla. So I'd suggest he's losing a bit of the ground that was established by his young teammate, Ugo de Vilda, but still first, second and third, as they had been before this charge into the pits. And the other interesting thing is going to be where do Cool Racing feed back into this? Garcia leads lap eight. The gap's 2.3 seconds over John Sharman. And Edward Cohoe, well, there's the answer. Where do Cool Racing feed back in? Third. And only two seconds adrift of John Sharman. So I think Cohoe could really push on here. Laurence Hoare's a real talent as well into the ELMS for the first time this year. Uh, Matt Bell also not very far away just a second adrift of Hoare yeah but all of those three drivers in third fourth and fifth that's Coho, Hoare and Bell lapping in three minute fifties in fact only a quarter of a second between them on pace but our new race leader is three seconds slower that's Esteban Garcia but John Sharman the car that was started from pole position the number 23 United Autosports Ligier Wayne Boyd kicked that off brought it in from the lead but unfortunately his pace is about seven seconds slower on his first flying lap so he's going to have to up his pace if he's going to try and stay in that second place but I think Cohope, Hoare and Bell may all pass him on this lap Wolfgang Triller's fallen already down to sixth place overall in the other of the DKR engineering uh, Duquesne so it is becoming a little topsy and turvy at the front of the pace at the front of the field waiting uh, for the order in GT3 to be absolutely clear because we've had a couple of drivers coming in later than the others and it's Andrea Caldarelli he has resumed in the lead set by his teammate Hiroshi Hamaguchi in the first part of the race he's 17th overall but uh, really it was all a case in GT3 about the scramble behind him so let's remind you of the order and also try and uh, link the opening stints with the now second stints. David Drew started the number four real team racing car from second position. They have found their way to the front net with now Esteban Garcia, the bronze at the wheel. And United Autosports, second now on the road, did exactly the same. Wayne Boyd put in as the silver, the Ulsterman, and it's John Sherman who's taken over. So the two bronzes are going to be left out front in their Ligiers to try and stay there. But Edward Cohope will have something to say about that because he's a silver uh, chasing down two bronzes. Nicola Molini started that cool racing car, which is now third. The number three DKR engineering car is fourth, started by Jean Gloria, but he handed it over to Laurence Hoare in the pit stops. And the young German pushing on hard as well to try and stay with Cohope and challenge for the top two positions. Then you got the 69 cool racing car, which had Maurice Smith in for the opening stint. Matt Bell's just taken that car over. And Hugo de Vilde, the young Belgian with an impressive stint, has handed over to his German teammate Wolfgang Triller. They run sixth in the actually second of the DKR engineering cars, but it's got itself ahead of car number three. No, it hasn't. Make a pardon. Three is 
fourth and the number one car is sixth. So yeah, they've sl actually slipped around, around. Uh, which uh, momentarily confused me. In GT3, Andrea Caldarelli, the car started by Hiroshi Hamu Hamaguchi, looks to be in the box seat. Chris Froggett for Sky, Tempesta Racing in the 93 car up to second. So two of the non-championship regulars, actually, first and second now. That shouldn't interrupt the flow regarding those that are competing for the whole of the Michelin Le Mans Cup this season. David Perel in 74 now. He's taken over from Michel Bronizhevsky. And fourth place in GT3, Claudia Schiavone in the 77 Ferrari. And that's the car that was started by Andrea Pacini. A number of teams deciding to put their quicker, inverted commas, driver in for the opening stint to hopefully put the, the, their mounts in a decent position to then be stroked home by the bronzes, but I'm not sure it's going to be quite as simple as that. OK, I confused myself and therefore everyone else who was listening as well. I was looking at lap times last, last time around. Edward Cowhout, Lawrence Hall, Matt Bell, all lapping 3 minute 50s. And I looked at the, rate, the cars at the front, they were doing 3.57s and 50, 53s. No, they weren't, they were 5.53s. That was including their pit stop. And the answer to that question is... Uh, they are a little bit quicker this time around, but unfortunately they've lost their positions in first and second place because cool racing. Edward Cowhap has gone to the top. Esteban Garcia is now 7.3 seconds behind him. And in fact, that lap was very quick indeed from Cowhap. Garcia did a four minutes, two second lap. It was three minutes, 51, 11 seconds quicker for our new race leader. But at the moment, Garcia's on borrowed time in second place. He's got DKR Engineering Duquesne of Lawrence Hall right on his tail, possibly going past him. And Matt Bell will be with them as well. And just a, a, a glimmer of an eye, a blink behind. Uh, John Sharman is down in fifth place. But unfortunately for Garcia and Sharman, the writing was on the wall and they're not going to be able to challenge for the podium at this point in the race. Kevin Bolbesasson back into the pits. I think that's uh, that car's second stop. It is for CD Sport. This is the number six car. So they've already done their driver change uh, with Jacques Wolf to hand over to Kevin Bolbesasson. But there's obviously a problem with that car, and it's into the pits from 14th position. But yes, plenty changing at the sharp end. Edward Cohope with a really good lap, 350.2, and he netted two positions on track. More cars heading into the pit lane for the second time. That might actually be the CD Sport car that has just come into my vision. Rory Penton and looks to be out of the race. Murad Soltanov into retirement very early on as well. As soon as you said Rory Penton is out in the race, I saw his lollipop man Ooh. raise the lollipop and the graph car goes back into the mix, but more in, um, well, hope and just practice for tomorrow's race. So the graph car listed with only um, six laps on the board. The race leaders have nine behind them. So Edward Cowhart leading the race by 7.3 seconds from Esteban Garcia, who's got Lawrence Hoare and Matt Bell right on his tail and John Shabbard trying to hang on in fifth place and Colin Noble starting to pick up the pace one of the quickest drivers out there at this stage in the race he's up to sixth for Nielsen Racing so they were able to do a driver change for Graf and it means that Rory Pentonen who'd done the opening stint hands the car over to uh, the driver from Liechtenstein Matthias Kaiser so at least Matthias will, will get some running today. That could be very useful ahead of the race tomorrow. Right, just heard news from Jeff Carter, the number six CD Sport Ligier um, speeding in the pit lane. So it was a drive through penalty. Thanks very much for that, Jeff, keeping us on our toes. And the drivers, well, they should know what they're supposed to be doing. But uh, time and time again, whatever you, good you do on the circuit, you more than scupper with the drive through. So that's the case, unfortunately, for one of the two CD Sport Ligiers. That's one shared by Jacques Wolf and Kevin Bold-Bessanson. 
from so, Astro. Oh, so go, Johnny. Yeah, seven seconds is the margin for Cohope over Garcia, Hoare, Bell, Showerman. I think Showerman's going to drop away on this lap, but the other four uh, could really charge hard. And Esteban Garcia uh, taking his first ever win last time out at Paul Ricard. Uh, we'll really know he's in the motor race right now. And I'm expecting Laurence Hoare and Matt Bell to have got by Garcia by the end of this lap, which will put a Duquesne M30 firmly in the top three. How hard will Matt Bell be pushing? Well, very, very hard indeed, because cool racing could be on, for, on course for a 1-2 here, depending on whether Matt Bell can pressurise and force an error from the young German ahead of him. Yeah, well, his, his target is Lawrence Hall. They would have passed Esteban Garcia, but Garcia, he only effectively started racing in 2018, so to be up at the front uh, for the Swiss racer is very, very impressive indeed. A massive learning curve, but Lawrence Hall and Matt Bell in particular have got a whole lot more experience. They're lapping within a tenth of a second of each other in terms of pace. In fact, rather less than that. So once they've got past real team racing, it will be cool racing. Edward Cowhart stretching his advantage. DKR Engineering, Lawrence Hoare, top Duquesne runner and cool racing Matt Bell. So it'd be cool racing one and three. Looking very, very strong indeed. Down in the GT3 class, it's still FFF racing. Andrea Cordarelli building on the work of Hiroshi Hamaguchi. He's just, oh, for good measure, just stuck the fastest class lap in three minutes, 56.4. Driver giving chase, David Perel has moved past uh, Giacomo Piccini and Chris Froggart. Last time I looked, was second for Sky Tempesta racing. That's gone down to fourth place, but they are not living with the pace of Cordarelli. They're lapping a second, seven-tenths of a second slower, and Cordarelli's going faster and faster. 17th overall, leading GT3. Cool racing, Edward Cohope expected back across the line to complete lap 11 in a moment or two. The latest incident out on the circuit has been cleared, so everybody free to race at top speed all around the eight-and-a-half-mile track. And six seconds, Edward Cohope now enjoys at the head of the order with Laurence Hoare, Colin Noble and Matt Bell. So Matt, well, that was a respectable lap time last time through, but Colin Noble's managed to get ahead of him, which uh, is a surprise. So was the, have they uh, been side by side for a little no, while? No, 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 no. I think, what, I think what's happened is that the, the front runners were all slowed by a yellow flag and Colin Noble can't have been because he was about a... Yeah. Eight seconds behind that grouping of Hoare and Bell, who just got past Schaumann and Garcia. In fact, Schaumann's now ahead of Garcia. But uh, looking at their last laps, the front runners doing 4 minutes 15, 4 minutes 13, 4 minutes 12. But 3.52 for Colin Noble, there's a story in itself. Yes, no, very good point. And, uh, yeah, Colin Noble maybe catching one or two others napping around him. But uh, I'd be surprised if Matt Bell has made uh, such a big error. He's still with Colin Noble, and seven-tenths of a second is the gap. John Schaumann who had led the race, uh, or rather uh, his teammate had led the race, Wayne Boyd, when they came back out from the pit stop, Shaman had slipped to second, and now he finds himself in fifth position with Esteban Garcia, the guy he was battling with, uh, three and a bit seconds further back. Then it's Wolfgang Triller for DKR, Moritz Kranz for Mulner Motorsport, Andy Merrick, who was put in the 24 car for United at the pit stops, and Tom Cloet for Team Virage. And the GT3s, as Bruce mentioned a moment or two ago, still Andrea Caldarelli doing mightily well for FFF uh, Racing Team. And the Lamborghini Huracan with Kessel Racing and Iron Lynx completing the podium positions, at least for the moment. But there's still 10 minutes to run. Just looking for people who are outpacing those ahead of them. Andy Merrick coming up the order. Ninth place for United Autosports, in fact. Uh, if he carries on at that rate, he may even swap position with his teammate, John Sharman, who's running fifth. 
in the top United Autosports Ligier. But it's a Ligier at the front of the field, cool racing their cars. Well, I thought they'd be first and third at the end of this, uh, of the last lap, but with Colin Noble coming right forward very, very quickly, but by dint of uh, finding the yellow flags not in front of him, whereas they hit the opposition, he's moved to his car, the Nielsen Racing Duquesne, up into third place. It's Cowhap for Cool Racing, DK Engineering, Lawrence Hoyt in second, Colin Noble now third. So instead of being three Ligiers at the front of the field, it's Ligier, Duquesne, Duquesne, before we get to another trio of Ligiers. But Edward Cowhap, I think, has got this one under control. He's looking very, very smooth and consistent, but in fact, those behind having a rather better lap of it. I should have said that pretty at the start of the sentence. And in fact, maybe Cowherp has found some problems now because certainly uh, the pace of Lawrence Hoare and Colin Noble in the first two sectors around this timing lap, they're taking chunks out of him. Yeah, so uh, let's wait and see because they'll be nearing the end of lap 11 very shortly indeed and we'll get a true reflection of whether Edward Cowherp is feeling the heat a little bit. Eight and a bit, or rather just under nine minutes to go. So that is three, even four laps, quite possibly, depending on where Cohope is in relation to the finish line. The chequered flag will be prepared as soon as the 55 minutes have elapsed. But if Cohope has just started a lap by that point, uh, the starter with the flag will have to wait all, all the time for that car to return. Uh, Matt Bell's got back ahead of Colin Noble, I notice, on that lap. Uh, 3.54 for the race leader, Edward Coho. 1.3 seconds now is the gap that he has over Laurence Hoare, so that's massively come down. Five seconds found by Laurence Hoare on lap 11. Matt Bell, 2.4 seconds away. He was in the 3.49s as well, and it's a 3.51.2 for Colin Noble. Actually, that car's best lap of the race, but he loses a position to Bell on lap 11. Right, this is the point in the race in which Edward Cohap has got to start taking risks when he goes past back markers, because clearly those behind Lawrence or Matt Bell, Colin Noble, all being super, super positive. Now, as Johnny pointed out, we've got about uh, four and a half seconds between first and fourth. So Kohap, who had a margin of uh, double that over the car in second place, has now got three cars coming right onto his tail. Lawrence Hoare in second place, Matt Bell for Cool Racing, one of Kohap's teammates in third, and Colin Noble for Nielsen Racing in fourth. Then there's really quite a gap, 18 and a bit seconds back to John Sharman. But Sharman has really stabilised in the car that led the first half of the role of the race, having started from pole position. Hasn't an answer to the pace of those in front, but uh, going to be really exciting the last seven and a bit minutes of this race to see who can get up onto the tail of Edgar Kohap and can they make a move to try and take the lead of this race. It's going to go all the way to the checker. Also looking at GT3, Andrea Caldarelli leads by a very decent margin, as we would expect. The David Perel car, though, number 74, I think got ahead of Puccini, hasn't he? Giacomo Puccini, 74. If not, let's have a look at the lap times. Uh, well, actually, Puccini's got ahead of Perel on that lap, so I, I kind of had the plot right, just preempting it very slightly. So Italian now ahead of South African. And the gap is four tenths of a second, but they're having a lot of fun. Iron Lynx versus Kessel Racing. Not a great deal of love lost between those two teams. And they're battling over the order they will finish on the second and third steps of the podium. Yeah, for a lot of the runners in the top part of the GT3 field, their lap time's really starting to tumble. At the very front end of the race, they've sort of done their best laps, and now it's all about track positions. 1.3 seconds between Cowherp and Hoare. Matt Bell, another two and a half seconds behind. 1.3 seconds back to Colin Noble. As Johnny pointed out, Colin said his fastest lap of the race last time around. But don't forget, he was given a massive helping hand 
when on one lap the front three cars ahead of him all got delayed by yellow flags and he clearly didn't he found something like i think it was 15 was it 17 seconds that got him into the mix now he can't quite live with the pace of cool racing and dkr engineering at the front of the field but he's giving the young scott a very very good showing indeed no pressure from behind a big margin over john shaman but those front three i think we're away now and David Perel and, and Giacomo Puccini must thoroughly be enjoying this battle for second in GT3, but must be staring at that 16, nearly 17-second gap to Andrea Caraldi, Calderelli, thinking, what on earth have we done wrong here? But it was a strong stint from Hiroshi Hamaguchi. I think he also caught the yellow flags in the right way, which may have given the Lamborghini Huracan a slight advantage. And then you put uh, Andrea Calderelli in, and the car never looks back. So FFF racing team, with the backing from ACM, uh, looking strong in the number 63. One little point, we've been talking about this race being 55 minutes, but it's 55 minutes or 13 laps, whichever happens first. So again, thank you to Jeff Carter for just keeping us on our toe with toes with that. But uh, for Edward Cowhelp, he's hoping whatever comes first, comes first and comes first very soon indeed. With just under five minutes remaining, he's hanging on 1.3 seconds to the good last time around. And around the first part of this lap, he is being caught by Lawrence Hoare, DK R Engineering. Really, really tight on the front of the field. 0.6 of a second down now because uh, the gap has come down yet further. 12 laps on the clock and the top three cars covered by three seconds precisely. Then another 2.4 seconds back to Colin Noble. So those front three, it's between them. But I really think it's Edward Cowhap against Laurent Hoare. So irrespective of the time left on the clock, we are heading on to the final lap now. 12 completed. 13 is the maximum uh, permitted distance. We haven't had that in previous years, but I just wonder whether the worry about the Nissan fuel mileage is a concern in LMP3. So the ACO restricting it to 13 laps. And Edward Carhope then only has another eight and a half miles in order to defend from Laurence Hoare. But the problem is the attack could become two-pronged if Matt Bell can get close enough. He's still 2.3 seconds adrift of the leading duo right now. And their lap times are very consistent. However, Laurence Hoare took a chunk of time again out of the race leading Cool Racing Ligier. Uh, seven tenths of a second found on that lap. And there's yellow flags out on the track as well. That is not what the leaders will want, Bruce. Absolutely not. I was just about to cut in and say, Johnny, it's going to be possibly down to back markers sorting out the, the order of this top four. Colin Noble staying close to them, but or it could be yellow flag. And as I was about to say that, the yellow bar came on the top of my timing screen. Can't tell you where that is at the moment, but uh, let's hope it doesn't adversely affect the outcome of this race. Can Edward Cohope hang on, or will Lawrence Hall manage to pass? Will Matt Bell or Colin Noble? Great racing here on the road to Le And Andrea Calderelli, um, well, it looks like he's done very nicely through the yellow flags to this point. 27 seconds now the advantage for the GT3 leader over Giacomo Puccini. But Puccini and David Perel are still separated by absolutely nothing. Puccini's just ahead of Perel, but it's no, uh, there is poor four-tenths of a second separating those two cars for second and third. And... Yeah, it's closer to 20 seconds, actually, the gap between the uh, GT3 race leader, the Huracan of Calderelli, and everybody else. You sort of feel in that little battle for second in GT3, it could suddenly be in the hands of Chris Frogger. He's driving the Sky Tempesta racing Ferrari. He's fourth. He's about three seconds down on them. But because 
Perel and Piccini have been changing position lap after lap as they swap it over. You sort of feel there is a potential for something untoward to happen there. Let's hope not. But in fact, Piccini is now starting to eke an advantage over Perel. He's just set the fastest GT3 first sector and second sector of the lap as he tries to stay in that second place. But I think the yellow flag is going to be the, the thing, the, sorry, the checkered flag is going to be the thing that surprises them. Yellow flag at the Porsche curves, by yes. the way which is Marshall Post 30, and therefore they'll be free to race all the way through the second sector, which is from Tete Rouge towards all the way through to Mulsanne Corner, but and the first bit of the third sector will be green, but as they get to that very high-speed approach into the Porsche curves and over the road bridge, they'll have to back off the pace and make sure that they go through there safely. Right, with 12 laps completed, it was 0.67 of a second between Edward Cowhout leading the race for Cool Racing and Lawrence Hoare, second place for DKR Engineering, Ligier ahead of Duquesne, and around the first sector, they were just separated by three thousandths of a second in terms of their pace. Second sector of the lap, about 0.15 of a second being gained by Lawrence Hoare, so it's now down to half a second between them. Grandstand finish coming up. One minute remaining in this race, but this is the 13th and final lap of the race. It's going to be right the way to the chequered flag. Will Cool Racing manage to finish first and third? Will they not be first at all? Well, it's not a slow zone. The chequered flag's out and Lawrence Hur got it. Lawrence Hur wins the race from Edward Cohope, who couldn't defend to all the way to the end. And was that the confusion going into a yellow flag and then out the other side? Was Lawrence Hur more awake to the possibility? Well, yeah, maybe. And Edward Cohope will be kicking himself that he had the race lead in his grasp and potentially a 1-3 finish for Cool Racing. They have to make do with a second and third in the end as uh, Cohope finishes just four tenths of a second ahead of his teammate Matt Bell. Colin Noble across the line in fourth position, not that far adrift either. The top four, three and a half seconds separating them. Yeah, mighty. Still waiting to see which the United Autosports cars going to come home in fifth place. Andy Merrick has reversed the positions. He's just moved ahead of John Schaumann, so Merrick charged forward, so that'll put a smile on the, his side of the pit garage, number 24 crew, Andy Merrick, and da the Brazilian racer, Daniel Schneider, still waiting for John Sharman to get to the finish, which he does now. He takes sixth. DKR Engineering, Wolfgang Triller, that's the second of their cars, but the, the, because they've won the race with Lawrence Hall. That's in seventh place. RLR, M Sport, Malta Jakobsen in eighth. Racing Experience, ninth. Gary Hauser completing the act there. And Esteban Garcia, that spell at the very front end of the field, but for real team racing, he's gaining experience, but fell to tenth in class by the end, just ahead of Moritz Krantz. And we're still waiting for the GT3 race winner to cross the line, and those finishing second and third as well. Will it be Puccini? Uh, will it be David Perel? Second or indeed third. There across the line goes Steve Paro for Rinaldi rating. So he'll get 16th in the LMP3 category. And I'm a little more interested in the race winner for FFF Racing Team. Andrea Calderelli confirms it with a 357.4 the last time through. So that gives an indication that he's still having to ease off a little bit through the yellow flag zone at Porsche Curves. But will it be Giacomo Puccini for Iron Lynx or David Perel for Kessel Racing? They stream across the line pretty much as one. But it is Puccini by 1.4 seconds who nets second place ahead of David Perel in third for Kessel Racing. Chris Froggart is home in fourth in the Sky Tempesta Racing Ferrari 488. And we're waiting for Claudia Schiavone to appear out of Ford Chicane now to complete the top five in the GT3 category. But the top 16 in LMP3 are all home and hosed. And uh, the race winners are now turning 
180 degrees through to get into the pit lane in the wrong way, I think. Certainly one or two stragglers are coming down pit road in the wrong direction, but are being warned, uh, or rather that uh, procedure is being warned to everyone who is sauntering down the pit lane and not necessarily expecting it. Congratulations to the FFF racing team by ACM. They will get championship points for that, but unless we see them for the remaining two rounds, the regular uh, rounds for the Michelin Le Mans Cup, they're unlikely to trouble the championship. They could be a real threat, though, for tomorrow's race, which is ahead of lunchtime before the big race itself, the 24 hours of Le Mans. Tomorrow's race scheduled for an 11.15 Central European time start and that will take us through till 10 past 12 possibly just after it although it's an interesting point about the 13 lap race distance which I hadn't factored in thanks to Jeff Carter for all his various messages through that as well and uh, pleased that we could bring you the, this race with uh, albeit limited coverage from our perspective we did have timing and we had uh, a few of the pit lane but that was pretty much it so hopefully we were able to give you a, a good idea of what was going on there and it's another victory for DKR Engineering, a team that's been oh so dominant in the Michelin Le Mans Cup in the last few years. There's never been another LMP3 champion. And somehow, some way, they managed it, Bruce. They did, but a real, real scramble. Cool Racing looked good for two of the top three positions, but don't forget it was in the final, third and final sector of that final lap that uh, they lost that top slot. So young Edward Cohope just turned uh, 18 this year, just in August really putting in some great laps but the experience of Lawrence Hoare and no doubt brilliant setup from DK Engineering on their Duquesne just winning out but tomorrow's another day and of course the drivers who started first today will get the second stint in tomorrow's race the second of the two Road to Le Mans races here at the Circuit de la Sarthe great racing today and uh, more please tomorrow and it's a jumbled up grid compared to the one we saw today because that was set by the bronze rated drivers when they qualified uh, yesterday in qualifying two, whereas qualifying one, you could use either one of your drivers. It is stipulated uh, very strictly in the regulations that it must be the bronze to uh, set your grid position for race two. So that promises much and the chance of a, a changed result, certainly. And we will be able to fill you in a little more on the various incidents during that race as well. You'll get it all live here on Haggerty Radio Le Mans on RS1, as I say, with an 11.15 start time for that particular race. Uh, right here on RS1, though, following that event, and coming up next, uh, you will be able to hear about the Travel Destinations Le Mans preview. Following that, we've got the Le Mans technical focus, Le Mans 68, a really entertaining listen with... Andrew Marriott and Paul Tarsi sitting down with John Hindoff for an hour or so, chatting about the last time the 24 Hours of Le Mans was held in September. And we'll also be revisiting the Le Mans qualifying session, standard qualifying, which took place yesterday, and the Hyperpole half hour, which was earlier on this morning. So if you are a little bit behind with our coverage, just stay right here on Haggerty Radio Le Mans, and all of that is next. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.